Greetings, fellow nerds, and welcome to the Mostly Normal Gamers podcast, episode 71. Woo! We are recording today on Wednesday, October 28th, 2020, right ahead of Halloween, and spooky season is coming to a close here. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Chris, the spooky sternum stern. Uh, joining me this week is AJ ID. AJ, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm surviving. I have been sick and home from work the last couple of days. Um, I haven't been feeling horrible, but you know, with the whole pandemic thing, for safety's sake, I've been staying home. And I guess I'm going to go get a Corona test tomorrow. You're going to get poked in the nose. They're going to try yep. and reach the brain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Good luck. This week on the pod, we are going to talk about PS5 unboxings and the little bit of news that uh, came out along with those new games coming out, uh, Netflix Assassin's Creed TV show that got announced, as well as uh, today's surprise Nintendo Direct Mini with some really interesting news and some delays. Uh, so we're going to get it started here with the lowdown. If you want to be a part of the conversation or if you have a pressing question that you want us to weigh in on, you can reach us at MN Gamers Podcast on Twitter. And if you don't use Twitter, you can send an email the old-fashioned way to podcast <laughs> at MostlyNormalGamers.com. You can also go check out MostlyNormalGamers.com, our website that has been updated and has a little bit of information about me. You can sign up for our newsletter that comes out every month, uh, either by dropping your email there or by going to mngamers.substack.com, mostly normal monthly. Uh, yep. We're probably <laughs> should be starting to get hard at work for next month. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't even know what I'm going to write about this week, but or this month, but I'll figure it out. For the November issue, which is a documentary about Vogue, because it's the most important issue of, of <laughs> Vogue every year is the November issue. It's their big fashion issue. Anyways, um, every issue of Vogue is a fashion issue. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> so please do go check out the um the hard work that we're putting into the mostly normal monthly i'm really proud of what we've been putting together there and yeah uh i know the rest of the crew has been pretty happy with what it looks like too um mm -hmm. aj i want to hear about what you've been checking out this week in terms of games well um, I forget the exact day that this actually came out, but I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima Legends. I think it came out like a week or so ago. Maybe last Friday? Yeah. Yeah, Something that like sounds that. right. So anyways, I've been playing the Ghost of Tsushima Legends update. It is a multiplayer, I guess, DLC that released for free, which is kind of unbelievable because it's like a whole new game in itself uh, on top of the base game, Ghost of Tsushima, which is my game of the year so far. So I was super happy to have like a reason to come back to it. And it's pretty cool how they set it up. Um, there is a raid coming down the line. Oh, interesting. Yeah, where I think you're really going to have to use like the different skills of the classes. Like there's, you know, your classic classes, uh, the bow and arrow for the ranged weapon, like the samurai for the up close, the assassin for the sneaky stuff. And then the other one is... What is the other one? Oh, the Ronin. And he's got like a, a spirit dog and he can like revive your um, like your teammates all at once. Oh, kind of like a uh, medic role. Yeah, kind of like every Ooh. class has like their special ability. Uh, like, for example, the assassin like disappears for a second. And then his like special special ability is like a multi 
like strike assassin attack so you can take out like three people at once um if you play ghost of tsushima you know what the samurai does he did it's like one of the like legendary skills that you unlock where you just like chop 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 it's pretty cool mm. takes out like three guys at once or so but we've been having a lot of fun with it there are two man story missions so gucci and i went through and did them all on bronze there's like bronze silver and gold levels for rewards and like skill level or whatnot okay cool yeah so basically we've just been doing that in preparation of the raid which i'm not sure exact date that that comes out it just says like coming soon um i think you have to be there's two different levels there's like your main level which unlocks like every five levels you unlock another class because you only get to unlock one at the beginning okay i went with the assassin um just because he's got the coolest uniform or whatever outfits i think <laughs> um you have a cape so oh no way does it dope. blow behind you as you like run around yeah it does uh oh, sometimes no. like your hilt like sticks through it it's actually oh kind of uh it's like the one point of contention people have had with the game is like the cape doesn't work right or whatever which means it's a pretty damn good game if that's what people are picking yeah, at you know <laughs> if that's the complaint well so like you pointed out that like this piece of dlc feels like a completely new game edition and yeah the thing that it's making me remember is do you remember the era of like i think it was probably like 360 generation where or maybe even ps2 generation like every single big triple a game had to have a multiplayer component tacked onto it yeah like especially when i think about like ps3 exclusives and like their big you know uncharted's and stuff like every single one had to have an additional multiplayer mode mm -hmm. and it almost feels like they were like we're gonna do a multiplayer mode but it's just gonna come later <laughs> yeah it's kind of like i guess what cd project red says they're gonna do and um there were rumors that last of us part two was going to do like that kind of same thing but i don't know if that's happening talk about a weird game to put multiplayer into yeah <laughs> but they had like there was like a really well-loved multiplayer component to the last of us right like mm -hmm. speaking of there was ps3 exclusive games with like tacked on multiplayer but like i heard that was <laughs> a really really good multiplayer for the people who played it yeah i never played it but i've heard the same yeah, but it just like reminds me of this different era that I felt like prestige games, like AAA games have kind of gotten past um, as they've become more like huge open world experiences. And it's really interesting to hear kind of like you get the chocolate and the peanut butter with this, right? Of like, yeah, you get the big open world adventure game and a really in-depth multiplayer game. Mm -hmm. And they probably could have charged me for it. I, I would have been willing to pay like 20 bucks or something for this update um, just because I love the game so much and I want to go around i guess chopping up more mongols <laughs> yeah more opportunities to like get into that really awesome gameplay that i know you all were really high mm -hmm. on at you know the middle of the year also the middle of the pandemic but um, yeah yeah i i am sad that i've not taken the time to check this game out yet but my pile grows and <laughs> grows and grows mm -hmm. <laughs> as time goes on well the um, other game sorry yeah no i was gonna say what what else has been on the on the rotation yeah the other game i i've been playing a little bit on my switch it's called fractor f-r-a-c-t-r okay i'm pretty sure it has some kind of play on the word like refraction or something like that because all of the puzzles are light based 
And I should mention that this code was provided to us by the communication marketing manager at Quantum Astrophysics Guild, Blake Dove. So thanks, Blake. Yeah, shout out to you, Blake. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And I've been playing it a little bit. I'm going to preface this by saying I'm not into puzzle games very much. uh, And this is very much a puzzle game. But so far, um, for the description, I'm actually just going to take this straight from their press release. And I'm going to read it for you. It says... In a world long abandoned by light, can you piece yourself together again? Fractor is an atmospheric puzzle adventure where you control a young hero haunted by malicious reflections that hide in the shadows. Climb your way out of the dark labyrinth by solving tricky 3D puzzles using your light and ancient mechanisms, and be sure to try and find yourself along the way. Um, You pause on this quote. You like walk through the, the world and... It's very beautiful. Everything's dark, and there's like a little orb above you that lights up just like the area around you. So it's very like kind of creepy and eerie, and it has like this spooky music. It's actually really good to be playing this in October. And you come across like these versions of yourself that are like demons, and they're actually really creepy. (laughs) Oh, like a horror puzzle game. It is, yeah. They're like zombies, basically. I call them like demons because they look, they have like glowing eyes and they look like you, though. They're like your twin. And then there's also like these glowing versions of you. And those are like what you're collecting to like, quote, put yourself back together. Um, So it's pretty cool in that respect. It says, use what little light you have to illuminate your surroundings and keep an eye out for malicious reflections. Every subtle detail that will help you solve each I, I missed the line. Use what little light you have to illuminate your surroundings and keep an eye out for malicious reflections. Every subtle detail that will help you solve each puzzle. That's weirdly written. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My bad, guys. My bad. I can't read. The poetry that greets you on your travels reinforces the themes reflected in the gameplay. Uh, I'm going to pause again. It's really cool. Uh, every time you like go into a door or leave a door, it has like this really like well-written poem. Uh, I screenshot one of them. I'm going to post it on Twitter eventually just to be like, we're playing for actor. <laughs> yeah. Um, the poetry that greets you on your travels reinforces the themes reflected in the gameplay, reclaiming the parts of yourself that will help you move forward. Uh, traverse the glowing black architecture and restore the light to an ethereally, <laughs> ethereally <laughs> beautiful world, all while feeling the pull of the ancient past. Uh, Fractor is rated ESRB 10 plus. And it's available on the Nintendo eShop as of October 22nd. So, I don't know. I guess what I'm going to say about it, like, is my personal time with it, is I actually really enjoy it so far. It makes you feel alone in this world because you're like, everything is dark on the edges of the screen and the music is playing and it's just you and this little orb Mm. kind of like against the demons for some reason, my brain is like thinking of this game in the way that it like I'm picturing like something similar to Unfinished Swan for some reason. If you remember that game, I think was also a PS3 game, um, which was like the room was like completely white and then you could only see where you were going by like shooting paint at stuff. And I know okay. that's not quite what you were saying, but like having it be really dark and like only being able to navigate with the little orb of light that you have that like is going to like illuminate your path, like reminded me of games where you can't see where you're going except for like certain conditions and some yeah reason that got me onto unfinished yeah, swan that and it's amazing like how beautiful they've been able to make this game just using light 
um, black and light art style is what they called it. Yeah, you were saying it's it's just black and white, and then it's like all based around this illumination of this orb. Yeah, like to solve the there's the orb is basically just how you see, and then there's these puzzles that come up where you use like the right stick to select things and then uh, the ZR to like move stuff around. So you like rotate these pillars and then it shines the light across the room and hits like this thing that needs to be lit up. And then that will like unlock a path that you can only get to while that thing's lit up. Um, And then you like go over to that side and solve whatever thing and then come back and flip the light back so you can get to the other side. And it's pretty cool. Like how, they're just using light for these puzzles as well. Yeah. I really like the, just from like the sound of you describing it, it reminds me of the way Nintendo takes their concepts for games and then like really stretches them out to like totally encompass every aspect of like what the gameplay and the story and the aesthetic design are all based around like the main theme when I think about like Splatoon as an example with, mm-hmm. well, they're squid kids. So they dive in the water and they spray ink and they <laughs> are kids. So they're teenagers. So they dress fashionably or whatever it is. Right. Like, yeah, it seems like a similar way of like, kind of like taking a concept and really like pushing it out and stretching it out to see like what the limits of it are. Heck yeah. So I would recommend this game if you like puzzle games, I would definitely say that. And I'm definitely going to continue playing it after this. I've only made it to the third room out of i think there's six they're like levels basically um they're just called rooms instead of levels (laughs) like level one level two so yeah i made it into the third one um so i'll definitely keep going at it the the puzzles are just starting to like get challenging so we'll see how long i stick to it (laughs) rad yeah it's there's always like that kind of like on ramp in a puzzle game where like it's like oh like this is pretty easy. This is pretty easy. This is pretty easy. And then like, eventually I hit a tipping point where I'm like, Oh my God, what are, what are you asking me to do? <laughs> yeah. So that's what I've been playing. How about yourself? Um, as I tweeted out when I was promoting uh, the last episode uh, that I recorded with John, I beat Hades finally, <laughs> um, or I beat a run of Hades. Um, yeah. I, I don't know where you've, gotten to and i don't want to spoil anything if you plan on like continuing to bash your head against the final boss battle but well i did make it out you did i did make it out yeah but i don't know and all right so slight spoilers just because i want to ask this question yeah so you are warned right now blah 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 tame your thing if you don't want to hear about the ending of hades um and i'm not going to spoil too much but when you get to the end that's not the end, right? You have, cause like you know, you go out, you meet your the person you're looking for, and then it like sucks you back, right? Yeah. So supposedly, in order to get like the ending, 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 I should say ending four more times because you have to beat <laughs> the game seven times to get like the credits rolled. Ending. Okay. Because um, I saw Jason Schreier post that he rolled credits, and I was like, wait a minute, I made it out, but I never rolled credits. There must be more. Yeah, and. I think the thing that I took away from the way that game ended was a getting through that final boss fight. I was on like a thread of health and I had used my, both of my re uh, I had two resurrections and I used Mm -hmm. both of them in that fight. 
and was at like a shred of health and was literally shaking. Like I was shaking <laughs> in my chair and like could feel the stress. Like, you know, when you just like know that your body's flooded with stress hormones. Yeah. Like, I just was like, oh my God, I did it. Like I, I was in shock. Like I couldn't believe that I did <laughs> well, it. Well, it, it takes so much time and effort to get there. And then to fail, it's just like, God damn, <laughs> which is like all the way through that again. <laughs> I think like five or six of the runs that I had was like, okay, I got to the final boss and then defeat and then defeat. And then, yeah. Oh, I think I beat him. Oh, he has a second form defeat. <laughs> yeah. was the most bitter pill to swallow. <laughs> that was. <laughs> um, but the, Dude. the build that I used to get to him felt like a really broken not like really, really broken, but felt like a really like very, very like noticeably strong spear build, which has been like consistently my favorite weapon to use. That's what I went on too. It was a spear. Yeah. And then um, my favorite thing is you get to like the area right before the exit. And if you have enough money, you can buy more upgrades from, um, yeah. from the store. And they have this anvil that trades one of your weapon upgrades in randomly for two random new ones from that same weapon. Oh, interesting. And so I was like, well, like only like I have like the armor piercing one or I had something that I didn't think would be helpful for this final boss fight after my experience fighting it. And so I was like, well, I have two and like there's a good chance that I'll get rid of one that's not even going to be that helpful and I'll get two new ones. So I'd have even more of an upgraded weapon. So mm -hmm. I went over and bought it and I got the like both of them were like charge up for the spin move. And then like oh. <laughs> create pulsing stuff for the spin move. And you just need to be moving constantly in that fight in my limited experience with yeah. going up against that boss. So I was like, well, that was a complete waste of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, circling back to kind of the like semi spoiler that we were saying of like, you know, when you beat it, it's not over. I yeah. think they do a really good job of setting up a mystery and an incentive and renewing that feeling of like, I need to get out of here by mm. the way that they close things off and then send you back. Yeah, and there's a whole bunch of other side stuff that I haven't even scratched the surface on. Like, apparently, you can have a love interest. Um, and I've got some sense of that in, like, the conversations I've had with people, but I didn't realize that you could actually, like... I don't know if you, like, get to bang, but you can have a love interest at least. <laughs> I saw something that kind of spoiled this for me in a way that, uh, like, I didn't know if that was real or not. But, like, the screenshot that I saw going around Twitter was, like, wild. <laughs> okay, so maybe you do get to bang. <laughs> but um, also, um, I think I'm the worst Hades player ever, dude. It took me, like, 80 tries to get out. Dang. But I mean, you yeah, got there, right? Like that's the thing is like, like 30 though. <laughs> I, like, I think I was around 30, 30 plus when I got yeah, out. Yeah. That yeah. Adam friend of the show, Adam, he got like, I think like 29 or something. I'm like, damn, I'm the worst Hades player I've ever seen. <laughs> well, and I don't want to linger on Hades too much, but I am yeah, loving yeah. that we both have kind of gotten through it. And I want to compare our experiences. Like I felt like it was really well paced narratively mm -hmm. in terms of like, me feeling like, oh my God, I have to do another run. And like, I just don't feel like I'm making progress, but I'm going to keep plugging away at it because I've gotten really close. And also noticing like, as I got into the upper twenties and towards the 30 plus run area that like some of the, it seemed like in some of the conversations, like there was just nothing new to be said with certain characters yeah, or some of the language was being repeated, which is like props to them for being able to hold up like 
close to 30 runs of like brand new dialogue every time you're dying and brand new interactions every time you're dying. And I think they time it really, really well in my experience. And I think in other people's experiences of like, then you beat it and then you have this whole other incentive to keep going and it refreshes what there is to talk about with people again, seemingly. Mm. Um, I did try and do one more run afterwards too. And it has like all of these difficulty modifiers that you add. Yeah, I saw that. Um, But did you feel like people started repeating themselves way more as you got to like the, you know, in the runs in the eighties before beating it? Maybe a little bit. Um, I noticed that a lot of times like people were gone. They were like, Oh, Achilles must be off somewhere or like Nyx is in her spot or whatever. Yes. Um, Hypnos Hypnos is just not guarding the door anymore. (laughs) There's nobody there. (laughs) It's like he didn't even come into work today. He overslept. Um, He's one of my favorite characters. He's delightful. You don't really do anything but talk to him, but he's just like always there. Well, and his voice acting just like so super sells the character to me. He's so like sarcastically chipper. It just makes me so mad. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Yeah. So like, you know, I... I'm very glad to have beaten it and I'm still experiencing that same thing that I do with any roguelike run based thing where it's like, if I've made it through once, it's really hard to get me to focus and say like, now I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Um, Same. And I do feel a little bit of pressure to start moving on to other stuff, especially since my quote unquote one goal for the rest of 2020 of beating Super Mario 64 is still like several <laughs> tens of stars away. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm on the last star. I'm not going to get into it, but I'm on the last bo- boss battle of Galaxy and I'm freaking loving it. So, Oh, good. I'm so glad you're loving that game. Yeah. It's uh, such a goat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, um, I spoiled myself and finally upgraded my iPhone for the first time in like, I was trying to count, you know, because they did... <laughs> the S versions of a bunch of them. And then they skipped the nine and then there was no S for the 11, but there was an S for the X. Um, but basically I jumped from the iPhone seven to the iPhone 12 pro. Um, (laughs) it's like a whole new world. Um, and so I've been checking out a little bit of Apple arcade because it comes with the free three month trial of that. And I have like 12 games downloaded from Apple Arcade that I've been hearing are amazing or I'm like ready to check out. Um, I have like, uh, is it like Necro Barista or whatever? There's like, there's all kinds of stuff on there that I've heard is really, really cool. Um, But the main Apple Arcade game that I've checked out so far is Grindstone, which I know I was really hyped about coming to the Switch, but I figure, hey, I have this beautiful brand new phone with probably the nicest screen in my entire house. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I might as well try it on this. Um, And it's definitely... I tried playing it um, because they have Bluetooth controller support and oh. I was like going all in on like, I'm going to just like try and do games on my phone now um, because they're doing the remote play for Xbox through it too. And yeah. So I paired my controller uh, controller from my Xbox already to try and check out remote play and tried playing grindstone with a controller. And I was like, this is very bad. I, I mean, it's the game still is good, but like, using a controller like in that game doesn't make sense. It's such a touchscreen game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Have you played it at all? It's the card game, right? No, Grindstone no. Um, is the game that uh, it's kind of like a puzzle game that's all set as like a dungeon crawler. And so you're like connecting 
uh, adjacent colored monsters. And so like you'll drag a line and you know what it reminds oh, me of is, did you ever play Sushi Striker Way of Sushido? For the I did Switch? not. It sounds funny. It's I like Sarah would like this game. It was a Nintendo made puzzle game for the Switch that was also mostly touchscreen based. And I played the demo and I like was really hyped for this game. But like I realized that like I'm not going to spend $40 worth of time with Way of Sushido. Um, <laughs> but you basically like. It's almost like a match three puzzle game, but instead you're just trying to draw as long of a path through connected same colored, in this case, monsters, but they could be replaced with gems in any other one of these games. Um, And then you try and escape to the next room once the door unlocks and there's treasure and upgrades and stuff. And you have three health points and you can see if you end next to this enemy that's glowing, they're going to attack in one of in any of the adjacent squares next to them. So you like have to decide where to end your path. So you don't take damage. Um, it's really fun. It's also like it's compelling, but I'm not like obsessed with it yet, which I've heard like, this is the pinnacle of Apple arcade games in terms of like games that everyone has really hyped up. But I know there's like a bunch more for me to check out. Um, but it is the one that's felt the most like a game that I want to be playing on my phone in the sense that I want it to be quick pick up and play kind of puzzly kind of touch screen interface, um, short levels and like not something that I would feel weird about having on mute. Although it does Mm. have really good sound design and really like pretty good music, but like there's a really satisfying sound effect when you get to the end of one of the chains and there's like a big whoo, like, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's really well designed and I'm like interested to push further and see if there's more to it. Um, there's a whole equipment system that I've started like playing around with. Oh. Um, but yeah, I, there's a ton of other Apple arcade games I want to check out, which is stressful because it's like, I have three months to do this before I have to start paying $5 a month. <laughs> So I kind of want to just like put my head down and like hammer through all of these games. But a lot of them are the type of games where I wish that I could be playing it on a slightly bigger screen with a controller or I think I'm going to, and I'm like afraid to try them. Um, Afraid is the wrong word, but I've been like holding back on checking them out because when I want to play a phone game, it's I want to play a Sudoku and have it be something that I can like quickly put down while I'm at work. Mm. And this is, a lot of the Apple arcade games aren't giving me the quick put down and put away at work vibe. Um, the other thing that I've been doing with my new phone is I found out a longtime friend of mine who moved to Texas recently has been playing Genshin impact, the anime inspired version of breath of the wild that has kind of taken the world by storm. Um, and she's playing it on mobile. And so she was like, oh, like she messaged a group message that I have with our other friend. And she's like, have any of you heard of Genshin Impact? Like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I heard it's really good. Like, I haven't been playing it. And she was like, and this is like a person who's like not a gamer. She loves anime, though. Yeah. And she was like, oh, I can't stop playing it. Like, I'm obsessed with it. Like, we should all play it together. She found out that there's multiplayer in it, which I didn't even know Genshin Impact had multiplayer. But apparently, like, there's a late game multiplayer component to it. Interesting. Um, But I... Uh, tried downloading it on my iPhone 7 and the game would just not boot. Like it just crashed immediately. Really? Constantly. And so when I got my new phone, the first thing I did was see what Genshin Impact looked like on it. And 
you know, I, I kind of followed a little bit of the coverage of this game as it was like being prepped to release and everyone was just like, oh, yeah. anime Breath of the Wild, anime Breath of the Wild. And I was like, oh, like, cool. It'll be like pretty similar to Breath of the Wild, but anime. And it's like, no, like, dude, they remember in school when they teach you not to plagiarize other people's work. <laughs> yeah. It's like dangerously close. <laughs> <laughs> they just like change the names. <laughs> well, like. The thing that's really interesting is like there are some things in this game that make me go, dang, they just outdid Breath of the Wild, which is hard for me to say because that's my favorite game of all time. But is the main like, character named Rink? <laughs> no, but I did get to name him, him Chris. You get to pick between twins at the start. It's super anime. There's like an anime cutscene of you getting like punished by a god. Oh no. Um, and needing to like rescue your sibling who you don't choose as the playable character. Okay. Um there's a really annoying, I should be able to remember her name because she refers to herself in the third person constantly. But <laughs> if you've ever played any of the uh, N64 Zelda games like Navi, um, you have like your version of that. It starts with a P, but um, this character just refers to herself in third person constantly, <laughs> um, which is really kind of grating. But the game has really good voice acting like throughout um, if i don't all right so i'm not a huge anime fan but the pictures of this look cool and i've seen a million commercials for it like would i like this game as a non-anime person do you so i know i'm like the outlier on the podcast of like loving breath of the wild but like i don't want to understate a i've only put a couple hours into this if that uh-huh but the start of this game is like basically breath of the wild there's no weapon degradation so your weapon never breaks oh, which i know dude. is something that was a bummer for you right yeah i hated that so much so, so there's like that's gone i i was fine with the weapon degradation but you get enough weapons so it doesn't really matter yeah but in this game your character just has weapons and then can be upgraded and equip new ones without losing them um cool. it has a ton of mobile game ness to it yeah i don't know if i like that but it is free to start, free to check out. But like, literally, I kid you not, like, it's like a, you can climb anything. You have a stamina bar. There are enemies that are stronger than you that are trying to gate you from going where you shouldn't go. Um, it's a big kind of, I, I mean, I always called like Breath of the Wild was kind of like cell shaded adjacent or like shell shaped, mm -hmm. sort of cell shaded environment. It's a big open world that's cell shaded. There are things that unveil areas of the map when you go activate them. Um, you fight mobs of monsters at little camps. The monsters <laughs> look kind of like the monsters from Zelda. Um, but there's like way more stop to give a narrative cutscene with voice acting stuff happening. Okay. Um, I don't mind that. I just got the first companion character. So there is something that's differentiating is that you swap between characters in a party Oh. and there's all of these elemental things. And so like the first character I got is this archer who shoots fire arrows. And so she's like a fire elemental character, whereas your main playable character is a wind elemental character. And so like in any given fight, you can touch a thing to swap between them. And like, apparently I think there's like a lot of depth to the combat system in that okay. way um but to kind of 
try to put a button on this and move on. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry. There's a no, lot no, of stuff to fine. talk about I'm when interested. you get a new phone. Yeah. But this is another game where I'm like, I'm a, I wish I was playing this on my TV, but apparently it really runs poorly on the PS4. Um, and I don't have a PC that could run this game. And so like, it's the kind of thing where it's like, I really don't want to be playing this on my phone screen. There's no controller support for it yet on the phone, which I really am bummed out by. I was really excited about like, oh, I paired my uh, Xbox controller so I could play Genshin Impact and like not have to use touch controls. There's a lot of posts on their forums asking for that, but it's not there. And it's also not like a pick up and play cell phone game for me, right? Like that's just not how I interact with my phone. Yeah. Um, but speaking of outdated stuff that <laughs> that I'm just now getting to, um, why don't we jump into some news stories? Let's do it. Awesome. I think the place to start today is that finally we're starting to get coverage from press with hands-on stuff from the PlayStation 5. I think as of, was this on Tuesday where all of this started popping off? Yeah, I believe, I believe it was, so. Yeah. And this is Thursday, the 28th, so... No, today's Wednesday, the 28th. So this was yesterday oh, yeah. for us. Jeez. But um, earlier this week... Uh, press finally started having embargoes lift with them being able to give like very early impressions of the PS five. Um, a lot of unboxing videos went up a lot of videos of, um, really intimately close details of the controller went up. And then I believe there was a preview of one demo level of Astro's playroom, which is the kind of, um, included game that's meant to show off all the features of the system yeah. um, and how it was, playing with the new DualSense controller in that environment. Um, did anything stand out from you from this kind of like really, really early narrow coverage? I guess the only thing that really like stood out to me was just how comically large it is. <laughs> like seeing Jeff Keighley open it and he's like a large man yeah. and it, it like was like his whole upper body. <laughs> it terrifies me how big it is. Like... I already was worried about where the heck am I going to fit the Xbox Series X? Like, because yeah. it looks pretty big, but I think I'm pretty sure it will fit in my entertainment center sideways. Like, I'm pretty sure. There's <laughs> definitely no space for a PlayStation 5 in that thing. Um, Which means I guess I'm waiting until they come up with a PS5 Slim uh, to get it. But... um, Oh... Sorry, I have all the circulation cut off in my leg right now, and so I'm I'm groaning like an old man. Um, I was really impressed to hear that people had such intensely positive things to say about the haptic feedback and the triggers on the controller and kind of calling those a game changer, though. I was um, pleasantly surprised to hear that that's something that's like a really unique and like, I mean, some of the coverage was saying like the the truly next gen feeling thing is not like, Oh, the visuals are out of control. It's like, wow, this controller is fighting back against me as the, like the designers are like designing this interaction with the controller. Yeah. I'm super stoked for the controller. I do think it's going to be something that, although, you know, um, former PS five launch title now delayed and now owned by Xbox <laughs> death loop. <laughs> um, you know, when they were first kind of like, let me restart this sentence. 
I think the first thing that we saw from the PlayStation five was the dual sense controller, right? The first like physical yeah. piece of hardware. And I yeah. think if like the feedback that people are giving of like, this is like, feels like a game changer in terms of you, the way you interact with games is really to be believed. Like I can understand why you would start there. Right. Because at the end of the game, like pretty game looks pretty is not <laughs> a next gen feature. Like games already look really beautiful. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And this is apparently something that feels truly next gen the way that people have said like, oh, like the super fast loading times and the um, quick resume feature feels next generation, right? Um, mm -hmm. But this is directly tangible and like tied into the way that you're playing these games. Um, and so the example that I was going to draw was Deathloop, um, which I'm so glad is coming to the Xbox. Um, apparently when your gun jams in the game, the triggers will lock up and you aren't able to pull the trigger of the what? controller. That's awesome. And like, it's really heartening for me to see that. And granted, like that was going to be a launch game. And I think there's always a lot of incentives when a game launches to take advantage of the new controller gimmicks that are baked into yep. it, especially on Sony. Like I would think about the number of different maps that you were navigating with the touch bar when the <laughs> ps4 launched but right like that's what happened um so i was really excited to hear that in astro's playroom like it had tangible gameplay effects and was exciting and interesting and new and something different um and i'm really hopeful that Deathloop is a sign that other developers think this is something that's cool and can be added to a third party game that's coming out on both systems that doesn't fundamentally ruin the Xbox version, but really enhances what you can get out of playing it on the PS five. Yeah, for sure. Otherwise I think the really close up of the grip texture on the controller being the triangle cross circle and square is amazing. Yeah, that's super cool. It definitely it's, is. It's really like super fun. And then as of today um, to go side by side with the PS5 unboxings, we're getting a bunch of the Series S and Series X unboxings. So um, my news list on Twitter was just a flood of IGN yeah. posts of pictures of the different systems and different configurations right now. Um, but I also feel like we've gotten to see press holding their like non-official final version of those systems for weeks at this point. So it didn't feel yeah. special to me. Pretty much everything on my Twitter feed is like video game related. So I had so many unboxings of PlayStation this week. It's just like, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed. There's too many. <laughs> it was, I very carefully pared down what is in my news list so that I didn't see so many like repeat coverages because I used that to try and pull stories for the show. Yeah. And even still, like IGN went out of control with the pictures of this stuff. <laughs> um, the next story that I think uh, we should talk about is um, there was a kind of surprise Nintendo Direct Mini today on Wednesday yeah. with a bunch of news. And some of that news was delays. Um, and I just want a quick rundown. Like the thing that's really exciting for me as a person who never checked out No More Heroes when it was on the Wii is that No More Heroes 1 and 2 dropped today on the Switch. Um, and I am I think I've come to understand like that is a game series that is like really loved and I'm really excited to check it out. Um, have you ever played those? I have not. And I'm actually, I'm on the eShop right now looking at 
like the featured section or whatever that has the stuff and it's right on top is it um, a it, bundle it or is it just um, one and then two is separate it says it just says no more heroes let me click on it um 17.99 no more heroes it's, i think it's just the one game because it only says no more heroes maybe there's no more heroes too somewhere else yeah but for 18 bucks i'm not worried about it i was worried yeah. that it was going to be like a 60 dollar package to get you know what's interesting games. is control is a free download with in-app purchases so i don't know yeah maybe the base game's free and then you have to pay for the dlc or something i don't know how else I don't think the base game's free. So, and I don't remember. So to <laughs> the really like interesting new thing is a new thing for the US. And so um, back when Resident Evil 7 came out in Japan, you were able to stream Resident Evil 7 to your Switch to play it on your Switch, right? Which is mm-hmm. a game that like the Switch definitely couldn't run. Right. And in this mini direct, besides <laughs> delaying Bravely Default 2 to February of next year, um, they announced that Hitman 3 is going to be playable over streaming to the Switch when it comes out, and that Control Ultimate Edition is on the Switch today to play over streaming from like the cloud. Um, yeah. so you just have to be connected to the internet, and you can play a cloud version of Control. Um, and the fact that you can play these... like next gen games basically right like control pushes the current gen like mid you know that the xbox one x and the ps4 pro to their limits from what i understand pushes gaming pcs to their limits right now um and the fact that you can play it on your switch as long as you're connected to the wi-fi is bonkers yeah that's wild to me too um and i hope it's what they don't even have a name for it like a fancy x cloud it's like n cloud <laughs> yeah it's literally it's just the cloud version of this game is available and it's just a part of the eShop. yeah um there were a bunch of other announcements in it um oh my god i didn't even see the biggest news so at the bottom of this article from our friend tom phillips over at Eurogamer, um griftlands from clay is coming to nintendo switch next summer which is a game that I've wanted to play forever. Um, <laughs> it is um, Claire, the people who make um, one of my favorite games of all time, which is Mark of the Ninja. Um, but they made this game with like their beautiful clay art style. Um, and it's like this post-apocalyptic card-based roguelike deck builder <laughs> where all of your interactions in the game are based around the cards that you have in your deck. So like your conversations are cards. Um, like also combat and like your interactions can either be like, Oh, I'm going to take like a passive route or I'm going to do like an aggressive one, or I'm going to get into a fight. Um, I don't love that. It turned out to be a roguelike. I thought it was going to be like a really cool card based RPG. That was just going to be like a straight narrative, but I've been, I've been thirsting for this game. So the fact that that's coming to switch next summer is going to be a big deal for me. Um, Anyways, sorry, that was you just caught some hot live reactions for the two it's great the tastes reaction. that taste great together for Chris of Nintendo Switch and Clay. Um, so they delayed Bravely Default 2, and that is not the biggest delay of the week. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, um, goodness. where were you, AJ, 
<laughs> when Cyberpunk 2077 was delayed again. Oh my goodness. I guess I was just sitting on my couch looking at my phone and I was like, no effing way they did it. Like, I'm actually not that surprised, but the fact that it got so close to release too, and it's kind of funny. This is the best thing that's ever happened to this Twitter account there. There's this Twitter account that I follow called Cyberpunk 2077 Countdown. Oh, no. <laughs> and, like, honestly, they have to just be loving this because the first, like, they had counted down, counted down, counted down to, like, I don't know, 99 days or something. And then it got delayed and they were like, no. And they, like, rewind time. So they, like, rewound time and, like, added more days or whatever. And then <laughs> this news came out and they are just like, we're in this together, everyone. We're turning back time again. And then they're like, <laughs> like, cause they tweet every day. It's like today there's only 28 days left of cyberpunk. And like, <laughs> they have so many followers now. And I can only imagine that this is just the best news for that Twitter account. <laughs> I, so the cyberpunk social team has give, been giving themselves a hard time about this. And that's fine. But I think the thing that's really interesting is like the account poorly aged tweets or poorly aged things really needs to get the tweet where literally the day before they delayed it, some fan tweeted them like, hey, I just want to make sure there won't be any more delays because I need <laughs> yeah. to take off work and I'm about to submit this thing in. And they're like, we guarantee it. And then yeah. literally the next day they delayed it by three weeks. <laughs> and um, should we read it? Do you do you want to read it? You see, I think you have a pretty good reading voice, right? Didn't I'll we just talk about how good you are at reading earlier? Well, I think you're right, but I'm maybe not so good today because I'm not feeling the greatest. But yeah, here's here's their um from directly from the cyberpunk. Well, I guess it says Adam Badowski and Markin Marcin. I'm guessing it's Marcin Iwinski. Yes names man <laughs> um so let's see cyberpunk 2077 hey everyone today we've decided to move the release date of cyberpunk 2077 by 21 days the new release date is december 10th most likely there are many emotions and questions in your heads so first and foremost please accept our humble apologies the biggest challenge for us right now is shipping the game on current gen next gen and pc at the same time which requires us to prepare and test nine versions of it Xbox One slash X compatibility on Series X slash X, PS4 and PS4 Pro, compatibility on PS5, PC, and Stadia while working from home. Since Cyberpunk 2077 evolved towards almost being a next-gen title somewhere along the way, we need to make sure everything works well and every version runs smoothly. We're aware it might seem unrealistic when someone says that 21 days can make any difference in such a massive and complex game, but they really do. Some of you might also be wondering what these words mean in light of us saying we achieved gold masters some time ago. Passing certification or going gold means the game is ready, can be completed, and has all content in it. But it doesn't mean we stop working on it and raising the quality bar. On the contrary, this is the time where many improvements are being made, which will then be distributed via a day zero patch. This is the time period where we undercalculated. We feel we have an amazing game on our hands and are willing to make every decision, even the hardest ones, if it ultimately leads to you getting a video game you'll fall in love with. 
yours, Adam Badowski and Marcin Iwinski. So yeah, you're right. They do come off as like, we fucked up. <laughs> but well, like even that, like there was a post of them saying like, oh, can we delete this tweet when they were like, no more delays or whatever, um, or things like that. Like they've been jumping into like Twitter and like, trying to do damage control. Mm-hmm. The thing I want to point out is according to some reporting from Jason Schreier out of Bloomberg, the staff at CD project red got this news in a all staff email the same time that we saw the news on Twitter, which feels really messed up. Yeah. Um, and we already know that they're doing their six day crunch um, per week. Um, I don't want to jump too heavy into the crunch discourse because I am not qualified to talk about labor. Well, should um, we ask about, cause there's a listener write in. Yeah. Uh, from but Lord Primus. Sure. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's his name. And he says, I'm all about delaying to make sure your game is quote perfect. But how do you feel about the fact that we know they will be crunching an additional 21 days? Um, and yeah, like you said, I'm not qualified either, but I guess to answer the question that he asked, that sucks. Um, and now that you're telling me that the staff found out about it at the same time as I did, that's kind of fucked up. It's wild. Like, think about that, right? And this is like not uncommon. There's other stories about things from outside of games recently that similar things have happened where the press will learn about something and like uh-huh. people on a staff will learn about it from the press reporting before they've heard about it from leadership themselves. Um, this is like a simultaneous thing, but like, I just, my heart goes out to the three weeks. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, it's that's three more weeks of like hard work without spending time with their families and yeah and hard work that can lead to burnout like some of these people are talking about 100 hour days to jason 100 hour weeks yeah yeah 100 hour days (laughs) i felt like i had a 100 hour day today it's that cyberpunk rewind time guy yeah it it just (laughs) keeps going um and something that I've learned about myself and the way that I engage with games, right. Is like the game that I'm most hyped on this year is a two person Sudoku game (laughs) or a small teams baseball simulation that also is requiring a lot of work out of them. Right. But like is, is a small team are these small games that really don't require these intense visuals and these intense budgets and these intensely bad, big, big, big teams. Right. Like, Mm -hmm as much as I'm excited to say like, wow, the games have never looked better for me when I get the new next gen systems coming out and things like that. Like if I'm being super honest with myself, the games that I spend my time on are mostly games that I'm playing in handheld on the switch in 720p. If that, right. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's not the Witcher three port. It's like <laughs> Hades, yep. you know? And like, when is the, marginal benefit of pushing teams this hard gone like where mm-hmm. do we see it yeah. you know uh, what what is the 21 days of effort and hard work and sweat and exhausting long days how much does that 
push the needle on my enjoyment of this game that I'm going to not even play for five years knowing me. Right. Right. Um, and it just, it makes me need to question things. It makes me need to question things when I play final fantasy seven remake and yeah, it's awesome. But also like, wow, you really dragged out some of these sequences pacing wise. Like, could you have put energy and effort into certain other parts of this or, could you have like scaled it down a little bit mm-hmm. or whatever? I think seven remake is maybe a bad example, but I definitely think about the length of games all the time that I think that's something that we were talking about when I first started the show, because my <laughs> debut episode was talking about persona five. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, I liked luxuriating in that 140 hours over the course of three years, but it also took me three years to build the nerve up to like consistently play through that 140 hour game. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it took me like three months to play through the 45 hours of final fantasy seven remake. Right. Like <laughs> I love being able to pick up a game and finish it in a week and not feel like it was the only thing I did all week. Yeah, for sure. And I think in order to justify the amount of work and the budgets and the scale and the expense of the art teams and all of the hard work that goes in, a lot of games scale upwards and outwards and become these big, huge open world games that require a ton of time investment. And I'm just wondering, like, when do we need to say, hey, my game of the year was Hades. It's one tenth as big as this game yeah (laughs) or when do we need to say you know what game was probably going to be on people's game of the year's list fall guys ultimate knockout Mm -hmm. or among us which is a game that came out last year or two years ago at this point (laughs) or animal crossing which i'm still going to throw out there and say even though it definitely felt like its time has come and gone to a certain extent you know like these are not games of this scale and this kind of quadruple a to steal an xbox term caliber right right but then the counterpoint is like people are buying ps5s in droves because they want the quadruple a quality caliber games that are exclusive to it it's true yeah so i guess it's more of a system seller than it is and i mean that's not even i I know cd project red is an independent developer but it's kind of like what I guess that would be my response is that's why they're necessary. Cause like Hades isn't going to sell you a PlayStation four, but cyberpunk is, (laughs) I don't know. That's just my thought. Do you want to get to our mostly normal question here? Yeah, for sure. Um, Who needs to know about this Netflix show? (laughs) Yeah. We can talk about that anytime too, though. It's not like a Assassin's Creed. They're making a Netflix Assassin's Creed. There's the news. I'm probably going to watch it. Thanks to um, Matt Patches at Polygon. (laughs) Um, We did have a listener correction, and I'm going to read this, but it has lots of letters and numbers in it that I don't know exactly what they mean. (laughs) But I'm going to read it anyway. Hey, guys, listening to this week's podcast and just thought I'd offer a clarification. HDMI 2.1 is not required to run content in 120 frames per second. The main difference between HDMI 2.0 and 2.1 is bandwidth. 
18 Gbps versus 48 Gbps, respectively. Pushing, gigabits per second. Okay, gigabytes per second. Pushing frame rate eats up the bandwidth, so reaching under wait, so reaching mm-hmm. over 60 frames per second will likely come at the cost of the rest of the display. For example, my TV is a couple years old now, but has a native refresh rate of 120 hertz and HDMI 2.0. I can force 120 frames per second, but cap out at 1080p and without HDR. The advantage of HDMI 2.1 is that extra bandwidth for processing 4K, 120, HDR. And then it's our homeboy Jake. (laughs) Thank you, Jake, for that. That does make a lot of sense, right? It's like you need the extra data throughput to use some technical sounding jargon (laughs) and make space for more frames at the higher resolution with HDR, which I've heard adds to it. The thing that's really going to bust next gen is ray tracing apparently too. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. Good point. Well, I don't know if that's impacted by this. Maybe Jake can write in and talk about ray tracing factors. Yeah. (laughs) You need to write us some more info. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's great. Teach us Jake, teach us to be tech heads. So, the most normal question I wrote Minnesota. I kind of forget sometimes that you're technically in Wisconsin since we do these podcast recordings over the internet. Um, I I drove through a st- a snowstorm, a small snowstorm <laughs> this weekend. Yeah, so you can count it. <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest. We know the difference, but to the rest of the country, Minnesota and Wisconsin is like the same thing. <laughs> We're basically conjoined. Yeah. All right. Well, so now that winter is here in, I'll say the Midwest, albeit a bit early, we've got like six inches of snow on the ground. It's messed up. It's not even all. Oh, um, what is the perfect temperature to set the thermostat? Um, I thought John would have, maybe John, John's more of a dad than we are. So maybe he has stronger <laughs> opinions on this, but um, I actually changed my mind. Like in the spring, like in the summertime, I want the house to be like cold. So I set it at like, man, like 67 degrees or something. So it's like all nice and cold when I'm playing PlayStation and stuff. But then in the winter, I want it to be like warm in the house. It's kind of weird. It's almost like to offset what's outside. I want more extreme inside. Like, so in the winter, I set it in like, like 71 or something like that. So Mm -hmm. I like it warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer to like off balance. I guess. Yeah. To get that different, like more of that differential. So uh, growing up, my favorite thing about my dad, I have a lot of favorite things about my dad, AJ, (laughs) is that he in the summer would get so obsessed with lowering (laughs) the temperature of the house without running the air conditioning. (laughs) And the way he would do that is he would wake up when it was still like cool out in the morning in the summer and open all of the windows or, and doors, like yeah. open the front and back door and run fans throughout the house to try and cool it down. And he'd be like, oh, I got it down to like 70 degrees today. Check the thermostat. Chris. <laughs> and um, I am unlucky enough to live in a world without thermostats in most of the apartments I've lived in. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but thinking back to like, what I would think is ideal is I think pretty similar to what you're saying. I usually am more of like a 70 ish person in the summer. Mm -hmm. And then when it gets to winter, like 
68 is usually enough because it's enough of a differential from the outside where it's like at least there's some heat. Um, so between that 68 to 70 range, um, I have radiator heat for the first time in my life. Oh, I've had that. Um, and my girlfriend and I cannot tell if the radiators are working well enough. <laughs> oh, dude, you would know. They must not be then because you touch like the one that I had, you touch it and it'd be like hot. Like you'd like scald yourself, right? Not I, quite scalding, but close. Like I wouldn't want to put clothes on it or anything. <laughs> I uh, had people tell me about cooking eggs on radiators. What? So yeah, you just like that hot <laughs> like thing where you like use the radiator to heat up your frying pan. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's like some um, um, college life right there. Yeah, it's definitely like, well, I don't have a stove, but I've got a radiator. <laughs> Exactly. It's like when you hear about people cooking on their car engines. Exactly. I've never exactly. seen anybody do it, but I've heard of it. That might have been what I'm referencing, but yeah. Well, I think there's way. a radiator in the, or is it the carburetor? I don't know anything about <laughs> electronics. <laughs> well, or most cars. cars don't have carburetors anymore. <laughs> they have fuel injection, but that's not what this podcast is about. You know what it is about? Video game? It's about to end. <laughs> that does it for the show today. Thanks so much for joining us for a wild ride this week on the podcast. AJ, can you let me know where everyone can follow along with what you're doing? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at AJ underscore ID. That's E-I-D-E. Give me a follow. Follow along. You can catch me and follow me at VG Occasion on Twitter, where I occasionally post about video games. Um, I also am posting at vgoccasion.tumblr.com, but it's just reposts of our episodes. So if you're hearing this, you probably don't need to go there. (laughs) Um, If you want to contribute to the content, you can. Please send us emails, podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. Follow us on Twitter at our shared account at mngamerspodcast. Sign up for our newsletter at mostlynormalmonthly and mngamers.substack.com and please leave us a five-star review on Apple podcasts it helps get the good word out to the people we would love more than just a review we would love some words of encouragement and kindness we love retweets we would love you to follow my twitter account because i don't have that many twitter followers um but you know just send love <laughs> tell one friend about the joy that you get from hearing us talk about games every yeah, week and forcibly make them listen yeah just put <laughs> it on in the car with your significant other when you're on a road trip you know really just trap them in there <laughs> with our with our hot takes yeah that's gonna do it for the week uh please go play some games i know i'm about to after this once Ooh. i had some dinner so please so go have some fun this week everybody and take care Bye. Bye. Election season will be over by the time we record next. Holy crap. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Hopefully, oh, I just blew my own mind. (laughs) Well, good times. Peace out, y'all. Holy crap.